to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today's guest is a lady who is a music therapist. Her specialty is music therapy-assisted childbirth. That's how I know her. She has worked as a music therapist for 32 years and in the field of music therapy-assisted childbirth for 25 years, and she has three kids. Marissa is 26, Michael is 23, and Connor is 15. Please welcome this lovely lady, Mary DiCamillo. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So, Mary, did you always know you wanted kids? Yes. (laughs) I think that's something you, you know, when you're very young and I was hoping it would happen someday. So I was lucky, fortunate. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How old were you when you became a mom? Well, I was 31 when I had my first child. So I waited a little bit. Well, I did a lot of college. I did a doctoral degree, too. So I've bachelor's degree in music and a master's degree in special education worked as a music therapist for a long time and then decided I wanted to go back and get a doctorate and the first week that I was in the program of my doctoral degree I found out I was expecting my first child <laughs> so you just you know they come when they come and so it all worked out so busy oh my goodness what is your doctoral degree in um it's in education so I've really kind of melded or merged the two fields of music therapy and education together and I practice from a very educationally informed basis and tend to work with people in the education field so I love it it's a great way to combine both yes and that makes so much sense with all the work that you do teaching music (laughs) therapy assisted childbirth workshops and everything so if anyone's interested you can check out sambirthingmusic.com yes to learn more about Mary's awesome business um, so how did your age affect your mothering or did it? Yeah, so it's interesting because I had my first child when I was 31, my second child when I was 34, and then my third child when I was 41. And so I would say like it didn't really affect the first two, but when I had my third child, it was like I was like treated like I was like, you know, a senior mom, right? It felt weird. I'm like, I didn't feel like it was 41. I felt like it was 25, right? And, you know, I know that there are medical risks after age 35. I was fully informed and aware of those. And I felt really, like, frustrated when I went for my first appointment because I wanted the doctor to be happy for me, right? Because it was like, I was happy I was pregnant. And the first thing they did was they handed me all these pamphlets of things that could go wrong. And I'm like, I don't want that. Don't you think I know about those things? I'm willing to take those risks. Otherwise, I wouldn't be pregnant, right? So happy to report none of those things went wrong. <laughs> Completely normal, healthy pregnancy, child, and everything. So Great. So. Yeah, yeah. the term geriatric pregnancy is so rude. <laughs> right? <laughs> so rude. I, as a music therapist, I supported a woman when she was 46, and she had her first baby at 46. 
Wow. Yeah, completely normal, healthy pregnancy. Everything was fine. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah. What was it like to shift to the role of mom? Yeah, interesting. You know, you um, luckily I was in a very supportive relationship with my spouse. But yeah, it was like your whole world changes. You know, it's not just the two of you anymore. Now there's three of you. And um, the whole sleeping thing was a little hard at the beginning. <laughs> um, but worth every every single moment. Um, also, I was breastfeeding mom, so that kind of, you know, that was challenging in the beginning. Um, making sure that I was drinking enough and eating enough and pumping or not pumping and having another person be like solely responsible, keeping them alive with your body is a huge responsibility, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So one, I, I've taken a couple of your trainings um, and in, in those trainings, we talk about like the idea of transitioning to motherhood and helping people with that transition. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately yeah. because it's this huge, huge transition. I heard a word recently, matricence, I think, yeah. where it's like adolescence, but it's like the act of becoming a parent. <laughs> so, and I just feel like there's so many changes happening. There are so many changes. And in fact, it's not just the birth parent who's carrying the baby, but it's also the partner goes through lots of changes too. So we have physical changes, but we also have emotional preparation. And that bonding as a family is really critical, especially during this time now. Um, and at the end of a pregnancy, because the baby's hearing is fully developed in, in, in utero and, and talking with the baby and singing to the baby, you're, you're setting up that foundation for communication, which is so critical after the baby's born. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which we've been doing. It's been Yay. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did becoming a mom change the way others saw or treated you? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I can't think of anything offhand. Um, I, I guess maybe you feel like more of a grown-up responsible <laughs> 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 for another human life. Um, maybe you carry yourself a little bit differently. Um, I think that I was really fortunate that people in my world were really supportive and helpful. So maybe I'm. As you know me for so many years, Laura, you know that I'm fiercely independent and a little bit of a workaholic. And um, it, it took a lot for me to accept help from people. But I think people were really kind and really, um, they weren't afraid to offer help, even though I was kind of the type of person that would push it away. <laughs> I'm so glad you have that around you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's good. Um, so it sounds like it was more of a shift for you rather than yeah. the people around you. Yeah. Um, did becoming a mom change the way you saw others or treated others? Um, I had definitely a lot more respect for new parents. <laughs> you know, you, you, sometimes you think about, you know, I just remember when, um, my, brother-in-law and sister-in-law had their child. So they have a, they had the first child of our extended family. And, 
you know, they would make parenting decisions where I'd just go, oh, really? You know? And then after I became a mom, I'm like, oh, my God, of course. That's why they did that. That's how they survived, right? It's the only kid thing your kid wants to eat is chicken nuggets. Just feed them because they won't eat anything else, right? <laughs> yes, the realities, you, it just, like, opens up a whole book of understanding, right? And I thought to myself, oh, my God, you were so judgmental, right? When you're living it, you got to get through one day at a time and you got to do whatever it takes to feed and clothe and, you know, protect your child. Because a lot of times they don't want to eat. A lot of times they don't want to wear clothes. <laughs> it's funny. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you have to wear pants when you go outside. Go through the naked phase. And, yes, they did. And they wanted to just walk around in a diaper all the time. And it lasted for like six months. Holy cow. <laughs> was not expecting that. All right. Well, uh, good to be aware of. <laughs> yeah. The naked face might happen at your house. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I can't totally blame them. I don't always want to wear clothes either, especially here in Phoenix <laughs> in the summertime. It's hot. Um, so were any of your kids planned? And yes or no, how did that affect your mothering or did it? Um, yes, the first two were planned. The third one was a bonus baby. He was a surprise. And we were thrilled. You know, we um, definitely we were trying for the first. And um, the second came along pretty easily. Um, so the first two are close in age, only three years apart. But my first and my last are 10 years apart. And um, we wouldn't train him for anything in the world. We love him so much. He's the greatest kid. He's intelligent and talented and just a wonderful human being. So I'm going to get all emotional. Oh, <laughs> this is sweet. Aww. And so we kind of went through that thing. And well, when you have a 10 year old and a seven year old, you don't keep the crib and all that. Right. <laughs> so we kind of had a, it's like being a parent, a new parent all over again. And um, my oldest two now um, live in San Diego together. Um, they just got an apartment together because my daughter works there and my middle son um, just got accepted to grad school. And so he's starting grad school there. And so they're going to be roommates, which is great. They get along wonderfully, which is awesome. Um, but now it feels like, ooh, we're just a tiny little family again because it's just Connor at home. And he said to me, he's like, I feel like I'm an only child again. He felt like that when they went to college. And then, of course, in the pandemic, they came back and we were all together again for like almost two years. Right. And then, yeah. So he's like, he's feeling lonely. I can tell. Him. That's really kind of sweet, though. They love each other so much. and They get along they so well. They're all super close. Very close. Aw, that's so nice. Oh, my goodness, that your two oldest are living together now. That warms my heart. Yeah, yeah. They take care of each other. They're awesome. Aw. You know, I just thank God every day. You know, families have a lot of emotional struggles, you know, and kids, teenagers go through some really terrible, awful things. And, you know, some kids have behavior issues. I just thank God I haven't had to deal with any of that. But I really believe that that nurturing and that birth process is a life-changing trajectory for all humans. And we need to keep spreading this message because look at these 
beautiful people. Now my son is only 15, but he's headed on that same trajectory of wanting to help others and kindness and love. And when you raise babies that way, that's what they learn and that's what they teach their children. Yes, yeah, I fully agree. Changing the world one birth at a time, <laughs> one person at a time, yeah. One person at a time. Yeah. How did your mothering change after each kid or did it? Yes, okay, so first baby, you know, you're like so afraid of everything. So it's like I was afraid to clip her fingernails because I was afraid I was going to cut her. You know, I <laughs> just you're just terrified that you're going to break the baby, right? <laughs> Second baby is like, oh, I got this. I'm, you know, I can handle this. One in each hand, right? So until the point when Michael, my second, was he was pretty colicky he cried a lot we didn't realize that i had celiac and i didn't know and i probably my kids probably do too since we've taken wheat out of our system for the last 10 years everybody's fine <laughs> but i was still eating wheat then and i didn't know and it, and he was very colicky and so i had a crying baby in my arms and then i had a crying toddler on my leg <laughs> and then we were all crying but somehow we got through it and um when the third one came along it's like there's no more man-to-man defense you have to switch to zone defense but by then you know they were like 10 and 7 and an infant so i had some kind of built-in babysitters which was great but um, my hat really goes off to people that have three children under like the age of five because i don't know how you do it <laughs> but yeah we're definitely more relaxed you know we've been through the driving thing with the two olders now my youngest has just got his permit he's gonna have his first driving lessons in, in a couple weeks and so so yeah it's a that part is a little scary. We got through the whole college thing. You you will get through the college thing. It's a little scary, but if your kids are good students, they'll get through it and they'll have rewarding careers. So you get through it. The wow. one thing that was difficult was when they would get sick. I was always really fearful when they got sick, especially when they got fevers. Um, and I remember once my middle child got to like seven years old, um, I was like, oh, like the worst of it's over, you know, the, when they get the fevers on their babies and then I had Connor, I'm like, oh, it's back again. <laughs> but it's all good. Luckily, they're pretty healthy. That's good. Glad they're all doing well now. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, so you mentioned your spouse. How does having your husband around affect the way you mother? Oh, my gosh. We are a team. You know, like we are equal partners in this relationship and um, whenever one of us can't be there for the kids, the other one steps in. So that's just how it's been for 26 years. We just equal partners and I couldn't do it without him. Absolutely couldn't do it without him. That's great. I'm so glad you have that. It's amazing. Awesome. How does your religion affect your mothering? Um, yeah, so I was born and raised Catholic and still active in the Catholic Church. I'm a musician, so I play about 10 hours a week. So I spend a lot of time there. Um, my children were raised in the church and um, we 
well, now my older kids aren't living at, with us anymore because they're adults. But um, when we have the opportunity, we do attend church services together. Um, I think that it provided a really good foundation for me as a parent because the Catholic religion is all about doing unto others and kindness and goodness. And um, it helped my children to be compassionate to other people, which I think are all good things. Yeah, definitely. How does your culture affect your mothering? My culture? Well, it's interesting. I married into an Italian family, although I'm not Italian. <laughs> um, I'm Italian by marriage. And so I've adopted a lot of the cultural parts of my extended family. So for those of you who are Italian, you'll probably laugh. But if you're not Italian... Everything in the town culture revolves around food. <laughs> so there's always planning about meals and um, the entire Christmas Day holidays. Everything revolves around what time are we eating and what are we making and everything is made from scratch. And uh, the table is a gathering place. And so... Um, we, when we bought our home here in Orange County, we wanted to make sure we had a big dining room <laughs> so we could all gather. And um, cooking and family together is a very big part of our culture. That's so sweet. Was it a rough transition taking wheat out of your diet with pasta yes, being so... It was huge because, as you know, there are many, many Italian dishes that have wheat in them, namely pasta. So that was hard at first, especially with our extended family. Whenever we would go, like, because on Christmas, our family makes raviolis every year. And we, um, at first, it was really hard because the flowers weren't that good. I've been celiac for 10 years now. And so there weren't that many options. You could get a couple different gluten-free boxes. So we would just bring pasta and We'd always have to ask, does the meatballs have flour? And then we'd have to bring our own. It was hard. It was really hard. But now things are getting much, much easier and better. There's so many wonderful products. Um, and we make homemade pizza um, with either making the dough from scratch or um, like Sprouts sells a really good dough that you can roll out and make homemade pizza with. And there's lots of good pastas. We don't make ravioli because... Um, the raviolis tend to um, break apart when you boil them. So we make lasagna. So when we go to the Christmas extended family thing every year, we make a lasagna with the homemade gluten-free noodles. Um, we make them ourselves, and we make our own sauce. And we have that. We heat that up, and everyone else eats raviolis, and we eat ours, which is almost the same. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah, Demi. So much homemade food. Yum, yum, yum. Yes. What kind of relationship do you have with your mother? Well, we have a really close relationship um, because she actually lives with us. Oh. And she lived, uh, I'm from Wisconsin, and she lived really far from us. You know, I live here in California, so it was like 2,500 miles. My dad passed away when I was 18, um, and so she was on her own. She's never remarried, and um, she got really, really sick with pneumonia and almost died. And I said, you know what? I can't be 2,500 miles away from you. We have this big, beautiful home here in Orange County. 
You can have your own suite with your own bedroom and bathroom and laundry room and everything. I said, why don't you just move here? And it took her five years to finally say yes, but she did. <laughs> so now I see her every day, which is wonderful. And um, I work a lot, but we have a big home and um, we all have our own private space and it works out. Yeah. Great. Did your relationship with your mom change once you became a mom? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I um, I really understood at a really deep and personal level, like what she went through to give birth to me and, you know, all, all the GIM work that I did. And then just she always told me how much she struggled with breastfeeding. And then when I struggled too, even though I'm a birth professional, I understood that's kind of a universal thing. And then you know, it helped me to understand how hard she tried to do everything that she wanted to do for me. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. How does your relationship with your mom affect the way you mother? Um, well, she was a great example as a mom. She very fortunately, until my dad passed away when I was 18, she got to be a full-time mom at home. So she was always there for us. She was, um, always taking us places she was always making us homemade food and i think she was a really great role model for me and even though um, i am a working professional outside the home i still try to embody many of the things that i learned from my mom as a full-time mom and mm -hmm. find that balance mm -hmm. and make the most of every minute that we can mm -hmm. so sweet Wow, what a, yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss, your dad at the age of 18, that's really sad. And it sounds like she was really strong to like, just keep going. I mean, what else can you do? Because what else can we do, right? It was yeah. really unexpected. She was 42 years old when my dad died. Wow. Yeah, that's hard. Props to your mom. Yep. She, she didn't even have a job at the time. Um, so she got certified as a preschool teacher and worked full time as a preschool teacher and I was just a freshman in college at the time, and I we just kind of all lived together because that was how we could survive and worked a lot of odd jobs, and I put myself through college. Wow. Did it. Awesome. Yeah, and you just continue? Just keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is something about motherhood that has surprised you? What has surprised me about motherhood? Um... That it's like truly the most amazing, life-changing experience that you'll ever have. And you feel so empowered and so strong after you give birth. And you feel different. I wasn't expecting to feel different. Hmm. And, okay. In what way did you feel different? Um, I just felt... I guess, like a grown up, a true grown up. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wow, this little human being is going to depend on me 100% to stay alive, right? It's like, it's such a huge responsibility. But I just felt so strong and so empowered that, you know, I'm kind of a type A kind of person, anyways. But I mean, I just felt like, Wow, I felt like invincible, like I could do anything after I gave birth. I felt really, really empowered every time. 
even though all the births were really different. That's awesome. And that sounds like it's so needed to go into parenthood. Yes. <laughs> with, this, <laughs> with this little that's, newborn. That's God's little whisper in your ear. You got this. You can do it. <laughs> okay. That's but reassuring. Because I had really good support and I had a really, um, even though my last birth experience was um, medically challenging, I was still able to navigate it without um, a cesarean or an epidural. And I just felt so empowered that I was strong enough to get through it. And I did. That's awesome. Yay. What is something that's been hard about motherhood? What's hard about motherhood? Well, we talked about when kids get sick. That's really hard. Um, my son, Connor, who's the youngest, he had was born with a birth defect and his chest, his sternum was growing inward instead of outward. And oh. last year, well, during the pandemic, he was supposed to have a surgery in 2020, but he had to delay it until 2021. And he had a major, major surgery. And now he has a titanium bar in his chest that's pushing out his ribcage. And just sitting in the operating room waiting area for four hours was very, very difficult. Probably one of the hardest things I had to do. So when your kids get sick or they need surgery, that's really, really hard. But relied on my faith and he's doing great today. So going to therapy, doing his, doing what he needs to do. And uh, the doctors say he's definitely improving. So Great. Oh, what a relief. My goodness. Yeah, that sounds excruciating. Yeah, it was extremely painful surgery, too. Oh, my gosh. What a trooper. Yep. He, and he never complains. He's just the greatest kid. Oh, yay, Connor. What is something about motherhood that brings you joy? Oh, um, just being with my family. Yep. Um, at whatever age and stage they're in, like when they were little. Super fun, you know, go to Disneyland, go to the park. Um, just this past weekend, we were up at like Arrowhead, the whole family, you know, sitting around the cabin, playing games, walking down to the malt shop, you know, even though my kids are adults, we still try to cherish that family time, all of us together. Yeah, and that sounds like really rewarding, being able to enjoy each other's company as, as they're adults now. Yeah, well, because we put in all that time in their early childhood and really taught them about the importance of being together. That was always our expectation that, you know, luckily there wasn't a lot of conflict. My kids were not the type of kids that fought, right? You know, some kids, they have strong personalities and they fight. My kids, none of them fight with each other. So we're really lucky in that respect. So That's so special. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. That's awesome. What advice would you give someone like me who's getting ready for motherhood? Well, I think I probably did like five or six commercials already, right? <laughs> so preparing for the birth as much as possible, bonding with your baby in utero, um, taking time after you give birth to nurture yourself because you'll be a better parent if you are calm. Calm mama, calm baby, right? Um, getting to know your baby, hole up for like a couple weeks if you can. Don't let anybody come over, you know, get food delivered, have someone clean your house, 
just bond with your baby and your partner and that's going to set the foundation for everything and know who your um warriors are who are around you who can support you and help you who you can call the drop of a hat I'm like i need a shower can you come hold the baby <laughs> um if after this call i'll send you this after birth plan um something new that we've added to the postpartum course and um I love it because it helps you prepare everything for after the birth. We prepare so much for the birth, but then it's like, wait, giving birth, it's like after the birth is just as hard as the labor, right? We don't really think about that part. And that's the part that affects you the most. So I'll send that to you. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, yeah, obviously I've been preparing for the birth. I've been doing a lot to get ready for labor and birth. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've also been starting to think about what does postpartum look like? And I'm taking 12 weeks off and I have three different people coming out to help me after the nice. baby's born. And Troy will have three weeks off. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping. And the people at church keep telling me, if you need anything, just call. So I'm making a list of people who That's are right. offering. <laughs> Make that yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I'm trying to make this as smooth a transition as possible because it's a huge, like I said before, it's a huge transition. It's a huge transition. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. You're well informed. You're going to do great. I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> I see you have a birth ball. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I do that for, um, some of my physical therapy exercises, the pelvic floor stuff, nice. and also just to sit. Yeah. 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 Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It sits have up. lots more playlists too. So I'll make sure I'll oh. send you a different list if you want to use any of them. Oh, okay. Sure. Great. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much, Mary. It's been awesome chatting with you. Is there anything else you want to add? No, just thanks for having me and best of luck. We'll be thinking of you. Sending you good labor vibes. Thank you. Mary, thank you so much for your time. I know you are super busy. For the listener, Mary and I had this interview scheduled right after she taught a music therapy assisted childbirth Zoom class. So she is always going, going, going. And Mary, I just want to say that you are the reason I became interested in birth work. For those who don't know, to maintain a music therapy certification, which is the certification that Mary and I have, you have to take at least 100 continuing education hours every five years to recertify. And Mary's birth work courses were so intriguing, I signed up for one kind of on a whim. If I'm remembering correctly, I think I did the creative arts birthing course first, which is to train music therapists to teach childbirth education classes. And it incorporates lots of creating artwork and music listening. And Troy and I have been working our way through the artwork together. And we wrote a lullaby months ago, which we sing to the baby frequently. I don't know that I would have thought to write a lullaby, certainly not to sing to my baby in utero if I hadn't taken that first course. After that first course, I was so fascinated with birth work that I had to take the music therapy assisted childbirth course, and it was eye-opening, so interesting, and really reframed how I thought about pregnancy, labor, and birth. It took a lot of fear out of it and replaced it with the word that Mary kept using, empowerment. It just sounded so empowering. 
Mary's trainings are so organized and research-based and engaging. You can find out more information again at soundbirthingmusic.com. And the website is in the show notes as well. Oh, and for the listener, if you're interested, when Mary mentioned the birth ball I had in the background, some people call it a gym ball, some people call it a yoga ball, some call it an exercise ball, whatever you use the ball for. Um, So anyway, she mentioned the birth ball I had in the background. I briefly explained I am currently using it to do pelvic floor exercises that the pelvic floor physical therapist assigned me. The current exercise I do with the birth ball is to make a bridge with my legs in the ball. So my back and neck and head are on the ball and my feet are, are flat on the floor and my the rest of my body is horizontal, parallel to the ground. So I, I lift my pel- pelvis up and down and hold a kegel when I lift it up for eight seconds, release for five seconds, and then repeat it 10 times. Um, so I do all of that for a rep of three times. So it's a total of 30 times and it is a workout, but that's the point. The physical therapist has given me a lot of exercises to work on to strengthen and better control not only my pelvic floor, but also my hips, back and abdomen because it's all connected. I am really trying to get my body ready for labor, birth, and the postpartum period, which I learned how important all of that is from the trainings I took from Mary. Again, check out Sound Birthing Music at soundbirthingmusic.com to learn more about what Mary offers. If you would like to come on the podcast to share your experiences of being a mom, send me a message. Or if you know someone who would be interested in being on the podcast, send them my way. I'd love to chat. You can reach out to me on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and thanks for listening.